Hey there, and welcome to the United Church Podcast. We are a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love. We are striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you enjoyed this week's homily. Have you ever felt like an imposter? Have you ever had that experience or that feeling of being an imposter at any moment that you're going to be found out? The people are going to be like, I knew it. I knew you were a fraud this whole time that you actually don't really truly belong here. That you've somehow snookered us all to get into this position, to get into this place, that, that you are an imposter. You don't belong. That this veil has been lifted. The mystery has been revealed. And you are an imposter, a fraud that doesn't belong here. I have this really strange and weird role that I don't know how I stumbled into or stumbled upon or was the gates just opened for me to be in that role in particular. And I oftentimes not only feel like an imposter in that role, but perpetually wonder how on earth it is that I am there and why these people listen to me. I get to be, it's a strange role in that I'm the associate chaplain for the Sounders, and I'm the lead chaplain for the Tacoma Defiance, the USL soccer team, and their academy players. Earlier this season, I had the opportunity to go to the training facility and kind of hang out with them, right? It's, it's an opportunity to get to know them and walk in, and I'm, I'm meeting with one of the coaches, and he's talking to me about like the role and what it looks like to do these sorts of things and kind of asking me, what do you see out of this thing? And I was like, ah, I've never done this before. I don't really know. I don't know why I'm here. Like why you've asked me to do this thing? Like I feel so out of place. And not only that, but you're sitting there and all of a sudden you see these, you know, these soccer players walking by you and you're just like, how did this happen? Like these professional athletes, these professional soccer players just walking by you and just like, why me? Why do I get to do this, right? And so I'm hanging out with this coach and he goes, hey, why don't you come into the locker room with us, introduce you to the team, we'll write your phone number up on the thing so they can get a hold of you and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. So I walk into the locker room, he talks me up and I'm just like, Right? Like, what? I don't know. I'm a, what? I've never done this before. It's, it's a brand new role, brand new territory for me. And I don't feel as if I completely belong. Players are coming up to me, shaking my hand, saying, thank you so much for being here. Looking forward to talking. You know, like they're introducing me. They're giving me their names. And I'm like, I'm not going to it's going to be a long time. There's more than 30 of you that are for a part of these two things that I'm like responsible for your care. <laughs> like I'm not going to remember your names very easily or quickly. So it was about a week later that I was like, you know, I, 
I'm just going to show up again at the training facility, try to get to know these guys and understand them better. And, and I, I'm like, I, I don't even know what to do. And the, the coach that was with me, he said, hey, just, just come and have lunch with us. It's like, what? what? He's like, just come have lunch with us. It's okay. It's like, okay. And so I, I, I like gingerly walk in. I'm like, hey, everybody, it's so good to see you, right? I'm super pensive and kind of tight and just like, I don't really know what to do. And he says, hey, go, go grab a plate. I was like, no, you first. You first, please. I don't know why I'm here. I felt like I kept slithering away as much as possible because I just didn't feel like I belonged in this space, right? Have you ever felt that way? Like you're in a role, a job, or, or maybe even like a dating relationship, and you're like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't think I belong. This is not for me, right? Like, have you ever felt that way? Like this imposter syndrome sort of thing that kind of like rears its head and presses down upon your shoulders. I went back to the training facility a week later, and I was like, I think I'm just going to go have lunch. Like, I'm going to go walk into the cafeteria banquet hall thing and just walk in and say hi to people, right? Like, I, I think that's okay. I don't know. I, am I being too presumptuous? Am I being ridiculous? And so I show up at the training facility, and I, I, I walk through the doors, and I'm, I, I kind of walk up, and I look in. I look into the cafeteria area, the banquet hall, and I'm like, there's nobody in there. So I walk down, and I see them. Oh, they're all in the gym. They're working out, like, after their, their intense training on the field. And I'm like, okay. So I just sit down at a table, right? I just sit there. And the coaching staff makes their way by, and I was like, they, they go, hey, Aaron. I was like, hey, it's good to see you you guys. I remember all your names. It's really easy because they have their initials on their like training stuff. So I'm like, hey, buddy, it's good to see you. I know your names, right? Like, so I say hi to them all and I'm like, oh, I know them. I go, hey, is it cool if I join you guys for lunch? Like, absolutely. Absolutely. And so as we're walking in, I, I was like, I, I just wanted to clarify that this is an okay thing that, I, that I'm here, that, that I get a that I can just come and have lunch with you guys? Is that okay? I thought that would be good to kind of develop relationships. And they go, they looked at me and they go, bro, it's okay. We brought you here for a reason. You belong here. You're part of this team now. Oh. Oh. And in that moment, that imposter syndrome kind of fettered itself away. I still feel really weird. I still feel really, really weird about that as an opportunity, a place that I get to be. But like all of a sudden, that, that validation of like, no, it's okay. You belong here. You, you're a part of this. Come as much as you want. Be here. Eat lunch every day. And it's good lunch, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's really tasty. So, I mean, that, the free lunch every day, sure, I would go down there every day just to eat the lunch, right? But no, it's okay. You you are a part of this. Be here in this space with us. It kind of changed that perspective for me just a little bit, a little bit of that validation of like, it's okay to be here. It's okay. You are not only welcome, but you're a part of this thing. Have you ever felt that way? 
Have you, have you ever had somebody tell you, like, no, it's okay to, like, bring a sense of validation? You're a part of this team. You're a part of this, this, this workplace team. You're, you're a part of this relationship. I want to be with you. That these things are okay. That there's this sense of comforting, this sense of comfort to know that, that you're welcome, that you're a part of this thing. Have you ever experienced this in your spiritual life? This sense that you just don't quite belong or that God doesn't necessarily want you in this space. That, that God is all of a sudden going to swipe left or God's going to ghost you in some respect. That he's just not going to show up in that space because you yourself are an imposter in this relationship, this thing that is happening with God. I, I think some of us here throughout the course of our lives have felt as if we have this sort of imposter relationship with God, that, that we have this really conflicted relationship with God. We see God as this very vengeful, wrathful, angry sort of God, this, this God that, that we, are, we are sinners in the hands of an angry God that is there to simply squeeze the life out of us because of, because of the life that we lead or the things that we do, that he is just there to, to vengefully and wrathfully put us asunder, to snuff us out in some respects, and that we don't actually belong with this God, and we want to move further and further away from him, that we want to create a safe distance, not so much a healthy distance, but a safe distance from this God that is there to snuff us out, to, to put us asunder, to, to wring our little necks, right? We have this conflicted relationship with God. So we try and fake it. We try and fake it until we make it, right? We, we, we try and fake this relationship with God. And so we, we come on Sunday mornings or we, we go to, we, we listen to different podcasts or worship songs and we, we listen and we do and we do and we do in the hopes that we can just kind of fake this relationship. But we, we keep God at a safe distance, we, we push him more than arm's length away. I, I think of Elaine from Seinfeld. There, there was a recurring joke all the time that whenever something would happen, she would yell, get out and push really hard. And like Kramer or Jerry would like fly through the door like, and just like fall over, right? It was, that was the safe distance was to get out, right? Just push and people would fly through the air. Right? I, I think that's kind of what we do sometimes with God is like we have this safe sort of distance, but it's further than arm's length away. We push God away and be like, no, you stay over there. I'm going to stay over here and we'll be good. We'll be good. Everything will be okay. Abraham Joshua Heschel in, in talking about some of the trappings of religion and relationship that we have, he says, it's customary, it is customary to blame secular science and anti-religious philosophy for the eclipse of religion in modern society. That, that, that what we do to get rid of, like, like to, to the, the fact that religion is dying in America or in our societies, we want to blame secular science and anti-religious philosophy. But it would be more honest to blame religion 
for its own defeats. Religion declined not because it was refuted, but because it became irrelevant, dull, oppressive, insipid. And then he continues, when faith is completely replaced by creed, worship by discipline, love by habit, when the crisis of today is ignored because of the splendor of the past, when faith becomes an heirloom rather than a living fountain, when religion speaks only in the name of authority rather than with the voice of compassion, its message becomes meaningless. When we hide behind the trappings of religion, when we use the structure of religion, when we build these buildings and these walls of religion that say, this is how we're going to keep the safe distance between us and God, it all becomes meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. It becomes a pointless exercise of religious futility. Heschel says that what we have to do is we have to awake our soul. We have to awake our soul to the reality and to the presence of a God that is near us and around us and that is different than the one that we're conflicted with. A new understanding of who this God really is. This is why we're walking through this series, this Awake My Soul, why this is kind of the prayer of our community throughout the course of Lent is, Awake my soul, God, to your presence. I don't want to keep you over there because I'm scared of you. I want to actually know who you are and what this thing is and actually awaken myself to the realities and the possibilities that you might be different than this conflicted understanding of God that I hold true in my life. Today's text is Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, which is a really fascinating text. It's a really fascinating passage within the scope of Isaiah. It's actually one of the most beautiful poetic passages in all of Scripture. And that's not just me saying, that's not my opinion, saying like it's absolutely beautiful. It's actually lots of scholars and Hebrew scholars and philosophers and theologians that say that this text, this Isaiah chapter 55, is not only extremely beautiful, but redefines our understanding to our relationship with this God. It redefines who He is to us around us, in us, with us, through us. It, it redefines for us. It, it resituates our understanding of God. In fact, it's not just a poem, but it's a poem from God to us. That God has written this poetic language to us to listen to, to pay, pay heed to, to pay attention to. In fact, it's not just this poetic love story, but it also holds within it some instruction for us. Things that we should listen to and, and, and follow through with. That God is writing this beautiful poem, this beautiful poem, that, and, and perhaps the most fascinating thing is that this poem is recognition and reality that God has not swiped left that God has not ghosted us, but that God has stayed with us and near us. This is how it starts in Isaiah chapter 55. Come, all, who are, all you who are thirsty, 
come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. This is God saying, come to me. Come to me, which is really funny because for the past few weeks, we've, saying that we've been talking about how God hasn't, hasn't necessarily said, come to me, but that I am actually already present, that, that we don't actually have to come to God because God is here. God has come to us. And here is the converse where God is saying, come to me, come to me. But in this language of poetry, in this poetic language, there's a little bit of an interesting, uh, an, an interesting twist to understand. That, that when God is saying, come to me, he's not saying, hey, you that is way over here on the other side of Seattle, come to me right here in this place on Queen Anne. That when God is saying, come to me, he is present here in this space. That he is, he is literally standing right across from you. So you're saying, come to me. Come, come, come here. Come here. I've, I, I've continued to take steps towards you, but I'm not going to force myself on you. I, I'm not going to wrap my arms around you and, and, and hold you tight and close if that's not what you want. It's a God who is standing there pleading with us, just come to me. Come Come here. I know that you're thirsty. I know that you're hungry. I know these things. Just, just come here. Come here. I, I like to think of it in terms of a great feast or a great banquet. Because that next verse is, is come, or that, that next session is, come, you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Come, come to this great feast that I have created for you, this gigantic table of, of food for you to come and eat. It's, it's kind of like God is ringing the dinner bell, right? He's been working in your kitchen all day long to create this beautiful and magnificent meal. And he has, he has laid out the entire spread on this table, and not only has he laid out the spread on the table, but he has, he has placed the napkins. He even, he even creates them into the little doves, right? The, the, the wonderful little napkin, like the napkin art that people can do that is absolutely remarkable and ridiculous all at the same time. Because you're like, how did you do that? Why did you do that? Huh. Yeah, right? And you've got the, the, the silverware is there and the, the best china and the, the, these wonderful goblets all over. That, that God has like fashioned this beautiful feast. And he's saying, come and eat. Come here. And we're either sitting on the couch watching the football game or the March Madness at the moment or we're brooding in our room. I never make anything for me. <laughs> Right? And God is saying, no, come, come and eat. Dinner is ready. Come and eat the best wine. Come and eat the best meal that I have ever made for you, the best food that is out there. All of it is here ready and prepared for you. Come, come and eat. Come, come and eat. But this is the invitation that has been made to us over and over and over. Have you ever made a meal like that? Where you 
just slaved over a nice meal in the kitchen. You were just putting it all together, everything that you possibly could. And you were going to like make the best feast ever. And you're, you're hard at work and you, you've set out the table. And the people that you had invited over to come eat with you canceled. They canceled at the last minute. And all of this love, all of this work that you had put into this meal is now kind of for naught. And you're just like, oh, why didn't they come? Why didn't they come? I remember it was, it was a few years ago. It was my dad's 60th birthday. And we, my, my dad's birthday is on Christmas Day, right? Christmas Day is his birthday. And... and we, we had this idea that we were going to throw my dad a surprise party, but it was really just going to be a small surprise party, and it was going to be Tracy and Elliot and myself and my mom and my dad, right? That he was going to come over after a, a full day of celebrating Christmas with all sorts of extended family, and we were, going to, we were going to surprise him with this gigantic feast of a meal, right? We were just going to, we were going to create this beautiful thing and celebrate my dad's 60th birthday. And... As the day waned on longer and longer and longer, it started to get later and later and later. We thought, oh, no, I'm not sure we're going to be able to get Dad to stay because they've still got a long drive after this meal, right? Like after this meal, they've still got a couple three-hour drive to get back home afterwards. Like I don't know if we're going to be able to get Dad to stay. And so we're doing all this work to create this feast of a meal and then all of a sudden like we, we show up at our house and we're like my dad's like yeah I think I think I think we're just gonna drop you off and go home it's like no 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 you gotta come in you gotta come in you gotta come in he's like I, I don't I don't really know if I like we've got a long drive ahead of us I know I know I know but you should you should stay just stay just take a little bit of a rest he's like no no I just need to push through I need to push through I need to push through it's like dad we're trying to do something for you we're trying to create this, this memorable moment for you of excitement, of, of, of celebrating you, of the fact that we love you, that we care for you, that it's your 60th birthday. Stay, right? Like these are all the things that are going through our mind, and we're trying to figure out ways to actually get him to stay. Like how can we trick my dad to stay at my house for a, a few minutes, right? Just a few extra minutes just so that we can celebrate him. We pull into the driveway, and I don't remember what we said, but I, I think I got my mom to want to use the restroom, right? Hey, you should probably just stop and use the bathroom here instead of on the road, right? Because nobody wants to use the gas station bathrooms or the McDonald's bathrooms, so just stay here, right? Like, just let mom go to the bathroom. And so I was like, Dad, just come in. Grab a drink real quick. He's, all right. So ushered him in, and he walks in, and there's balloons, right? We had filled our dining room with these black and silver balloons because, you know, he's 60. <laughs> and black and silver fit, right? And a, and a big 6-0 balloon right in the middle of the table. And he walks in, and he, he sees this, and I'm like, the roast is going to be ready in just a few minutes. You throw the roast in the oven, like this, his favorite food, right? Like his favorite food. You know, the, uh, we, we had other stuff that we threw in the oven at the same time. It'll all be ready in just a little bit. Like, it won't be long. And this is for you. Happy birthday, Dad. And he was so excited. He was so excited. But it took a lot of work to convince him just to come in, right? And if he had said no... If he had said, no, we're just going to keep going, I don't know what I would have done. Right? I don't know what I would have done to not get my dad to, quote, unquote, cancel 
on us, or really just cancel our plans for celebrating him, right? He told us later, he goes, because my dad's birthday is quite literally December 25th, that is the birthday, he said, this is, this is the first birthday I've ever had, the first birthday party I've ever had. I've never, in all of my life, I've never celebrated my birthday. It's like, wait, what? What was that? Ne- never? Is it never? I, I'm, nobody's ever celebrated my birthday. We've always told them happy birthday, right? They would wake up and like, happy birthday, Dad, woo, right? Never in 60 years of life had never had a birthday party. Not one. And here was that moment that we got to do that for him. Right? And in this sort of scenario, in this sort of situation, it's like this is what God wants to do for us. That God wants to throw us this kind of a party, this kind of a feast, where He's trying to do everything He can to get us to just come to the table, to sit down and eat. Come, I know you're thirsty. I know you've never celebrated a birthday before like this. Just come and sit. Just come and eat. You will be floored at what I have prepared for you, for what is ready and waiting for you here. Just come and eat. Come and drink. Come all you who are thirsty. Come all you who are thirsty. He continues, Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Come, listen. Come, listen. It's this tug at us. Come and listen. This very poetic nature of God is saying, just come and listen. It's a push and a pull. Come and listen. This rhythmic move of come and listen that we may experience God in a new way than we ever have before. In a new light that is just waiting to blow our minds that this God is present here and now. Always, always, always. Heschel asks this profound question. He said that the question of religion is not what will man do with his solitude, but rather what man does with the presence of God. God is present. God is here, now standing before us, standing with us, saying, come, eat, listen, Listen to the love that I have for you. Listen to what it is that I want to shower down upon you that you may experience and that you may know. Come and listen. And the great question is not what will we do with our solitude? This belief that God is not around us, that that God is not present, and that I just have to sit on the couch and brood. But rather, what will you do with the presence of God? The God who stands before you and just says, come and listen. Come and eat. Come be with me here and now. 
A God whose arms are outstretched, waiting to embrace us, to show us the goodness, the richest of riches, the beautiful, the beautiful nature of who he is. God is here. God is present. God is waiting for us to respond. Awake our souls. Awake our souls. Allow it to bubble up within us and flow freely that we may awaken our eyes and our hearts and our ears and our souls to the very nature of this God who waits for us to come near. What will you do with the presence of God? What will you do with the presence of God? Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at noon at 1316 3rd Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.